Welcome to That's What I Call Marketing. I am your host, Connor Byrne. And of course, this is the podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique insights. Well, it's unusual that we would drop two episodes in the one week, but I wanted to catch up with Dara Pierce, who is founder of The Brand Fans, to talk about the Rugby World Cup. And of course, it's really good to do that when it's all a bit timely, top of our minds. And of course, for some of us, it may still be hurting a little bit. But anyone listening in South Africa, well, you're obviously going to be celebrating. So in today's episode, Dara takes me through his analysis of the Rugby World Cup sponsorships. Who won? Who did what well from an international perspective? And also we take a quick look at some of the Irish sponsors and their journey through the Rugby World Cup, how they activated against it. And maybe did Ireland getting knocked out of the quarterfinal hurt their sponsorship activations a little bit? And of course, from all that, then we just gather some insights as we head into next year on how you can use them in your planning for 2024. So we're going to head right on into the episode, of course. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening or watching to this episode. And if you need help using marketing to grow your business, get in touch with us. That's what I call marketing.com. Today's episode of That's What I Call Marketing is brought to you by The Indie List, Ireland's leader for freelance marketing, creative and digital talent. The Indie List provides easy access to hundreds of highly experienced and vetted experts across the marketing services business, quickly and cost effectively. You can check out their full range of services at IndieList.ie. Dara, thanks a million for joining me on That's What I Call Marketing. Great to, great to have you here. Great to be here, Connor. Thanks for having me. No Appreciate problem. It. Well, listen, for anyone who's uh, listening or watching who doesn't know who you are and what you do, just give us a brief introduction. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Dara Pierce, I'm the founder of uh, The Brand Fans. Brand Fans has been around for almost 12 years now. Um, prior to that, I was uh, global head of sponsorship for Vodafone. So I would have worked in Formula One, Champions League, music, various properties like that. Um, and although I consider myself a brand marketer all my life, uh, I've actually worked in sponsorship for a little over 20 years now, so quite a long stint. Um, the Brand Fans is a, an independent sponsorship consultancy. So as I said, we set up about 12 years ago, going strong. Um, you know, we support brands and rights holders with sponsorship strategy, with uh, planning, negotiation and evaluation. And you know, the Brand Fans itself, very much built around independence um you know we're not we don't sell sponsorship we believe in supporting brands to to help them achieve what they want to achieve through sponsorship but very much from a channel neutral point of view and evaluation and uh yeah look it's a great industry to work in it's uh and you're right it's interesting because you know i think sponsorship sometimes was seen as kind of a a softer thing you know but i'm sure work on some of those bigger global sponsorships in the likes of Vodafone, that was not the case. It was, it was like, no, how are we measuring this? No, certainly not. But, you know, even then you would get very differing opinions across a very large organization about what it is and why it exists. And, and it really thought you that you had to be quite singular in the message, even internally, yeah. about what the thing stands for. Why are we doing it? Is it? Are there solid outcomes that we're all jointly working towards uh, or is it a chairman's whim but i think you know when you get it right get the whole organization galvanized behind it it's incredibly powerful yeah and i think the sorry like, i know we're, we're here to actually just so everyone knows we're here to talk about the rugby world cup but i think this is really interesting because i 
I think the why we're doing it thing is one of the most important things. And there can be a load of different reasons. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll actually see it as we go through it today, even with, amongst the, the six main sponsors of the, the, the worldwide partners of World Rugby, there are very different objectives. And you can see that clearly from what comes through. Well, listen, I, let's get into the Rugby World Cup. And you've done some analysis of the the six global partners. Maybe first of all, tell me a bit about what and how you did that that analysis. Yeah, sure. So um, we do this kind of once or twice a year when there's a major tournament on or sporting event or a music festival. We, uh, we take a look at the top sponsors and we track what they're doing from multiple different angles. And we do it, it's not as in-depth an evaluation as we would do for a client, yeah. but I think it gives us a nice sense of who's doing what, why are they doing it, what is, what is the different approach that they've come at it for, and how effective have they been. So we're here watching these brands for a period of three months and observing their activation, measuring um, their their activity, their reach, their engagement, their the sentiment around that. But then the more qual side, which is desk research based, is looking at why are they there, right? And uh, what's the alignment, or at least what are they saying the alignment is, and and how do we feel about that alignment to the sport or to the the thing that they are sponsoring? Um, we'll talk a lot about assets. So what are the assets they are using to differentiate themselves? They're one of six. Yeah. So it's what, how are they, what's their role within that? And you'll see that pop up in, and I think it's probably a key learning. It's not revolutionary by any sense. It's been around as long as I have in sponsorship. This idea of having a sole and exclusive asset, a thing that's yours yeah. that no one else can touch in the, in the tournament. And then we'll look at their activation as well. You know, what do they do with it? And ultimately, you know, we, we're actually ranking them. I mean, the ranking is is useful from our point of view. It's a little bit of fun. That's yeah. um, winners and losers. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's a after all, you know. Uh, but uh, obviously, I don't call the, the sixth place losers, but uh, they are, they are um, the, the, you know, they're, they're lesser winners or whatever. <laughs> but we do it for fun, and we do rank them each week based on their activation. And what it allows us to do as well is, if we see something unusual during that week, we pop in and have a look and see what okay. was going on there. What can we learn from this, and how do we do better as a result? Um, now, I was just, as you as you were talking there, I was like probably a good test um, would be because I I haven't thought about this before. I'm but like, can I name the six sponsors of the Rookie I, know, World Cup? I watched I watched a lot of it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the, like the two top of mind were Mastercard and Cap Gemini. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah. And I stopped after that. It's really interesting, the difference between being spontaneously being able to yeah. recall some of these sponsors versus me having to say, oh, do you remember? And that's, that's a very powerful thing in the measurement world, obviously, that we look at. And, yeah. and from a fan point of view, you know, we're all fat. Well, we're fans and we watch this and we spend hours in front of it. Yet, you know, we can't always recall who those sponsors are. Right. Well, how do how do you want to go about this? I am going to start start from the um, bottom end of the top six. <laughs> That's one way of describing it. So, I'll start off with um, a French brand, Société Générale. So, Société Générale are a bank of financial services 
institution based out of France. Um, so th- these guys, yeah, they, they were number six in our table. They, the, the alignment piece that they have with World Rugby centers around team spirit and commitment. This was really about um, Society Generale's position in France, their reputation, their, their kind of solid, um, really interested in the future of people, commitment to the, to the public, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it, it has a... It has a very meaningful and deep role for them. Um, but to look at them, we talked about assets. So their asset was the flag bearers. Okay. So within, yeah, so so you see it before every game. There's a number of people holding flags as the teams walk out onto the pitch. So their asset exclusively to them would be to appoint someone or multiple people to do that. And my understanding is that it was um, very much a customer-based right. initiative for people around France and recognizing those um the from an activation point of view they supported the match predictor features pictures have been around for a while um but when we look at some of the other assets that other sponsors have it's it's it drove a piece of engagement it was decent but it wasn't the most revolutionary i suppose right number five it's like a countdown like really it is like a a chart. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so this is one you didn't recall, but I suspect you will. Um, it's Land Rover, and specifically Land Rover Defender. Um, so Land Rover have been a supporter of rugby for for quite some time. I think one of the reasons you might not recognise this, which is quite interesting, is rather than use the Land Rover brand in all of the communications, they use the Defender brand. I was about to ask you about that. I was honestly, I was yeah. just wondering because they've. They, I, mean, I saw that recently where they dropped Land Rover from Defender and yeah. just, yeah, okay, that's really interesting. So that's maybe why I missed it. I mean, when you look at a value alignment piece, just to start off on that, it's pretty clear. It's strength, durability, versatility of the rugby player yeah. and of the, the, the Defender brand. Um, Land Rover fit comfortably in rugby for some time, uh, both domestically in the UK and internationally. So there's a there's a fairly clear reason why they, they feel there's a strong value alignment there. A um, couple of really interesting bits. So their asset, their exclusive asset was the mascot or the ball carrier. So you'd see yeah. them walking out ahead of the players with the ball in hand. Um, powerful in terms of visibility that it gets. But what they did that was really nice here, um, there were 96 mascots across 48 games and everybody who was appointed was selected for making a difference in their local communities. Um, And probably the best example of that was in the opening match, which was obviously highly visible. Uh, Cyril Leroy was the official ball carrier and he was the country's first, um, the founder of the country's first gay rugby club. Okay. And has has a longstanding commitment to inclusivity and fighting homophobia. So um, putting him up front and centre at the start of that was a real symbol of their intent and got a lot of nice coverage. It was actually the top moment of the tournament for Land Rover, got the most um, you know, activity, okay. engagement, etc. So really, really good across that. Um, a couple of other notable things. So um, they had the trophy car, which uh, travelled across France. It was a version oh. of the Defender with the trophy in the back. There... The other one to mention, and you might not have seen this either, but uh, heading into the final or the semi-final, there was 
coverage online of the All Blacks bus being blocked by a Land Rover defender yeah. and couldn't get out of the training ground. So the All Blacks got out of the bus and picked it up and moved it <laughs> to get it out of the way of the bus. So this broke on social. So cynical me is saying that that wasn't an accident, that that all happened quite deliberately. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Although you kind of want, if I was if I was Land Rover, I'd want the All Blacks not to be able to move it to show how sturdy they are. But anyway. So for that reason, maybe it wasn't, and I'm too old and suspicious at this (laughs) stage. Either way, it got nice coverage. All the coverage was um, handheld mobiles, not set up features. So who knows? Um, so they came in fifth place again for most metrics. Apart from reach, they were fourth. Um, okay. So as a, a big brand, they would have a little more reach. But I like what they did. And, you know, I think it's a good alignment as well. So I think uh, a little bit down the table, but I think a good job overall. Brilliant. Right. Number number four. Who's next? Number four is, um, is Emirates. So again. Wow. I could not, not again, yeah. could not have told you that. That's interesting. Well, interesting, yeah. So Emirates is kind of an interesting one in the sense that obviously... Um, they sponsor everything. Are, yeah, they're a big global sports <laughs> sponsor. They are um, promoting their, themselves as a global brand with their international hubs and uh, very big on football and, and rugby and ma- many, many other things. Um, they don't talk a lot about the reason for being in rugby apart from global um, aspirations, they, they have talked about supporting the values of respect and discipline. So this is, right. if you were to try and understand why they're doing it, it's respect and discipline are the, are the key things they support, which are, are world rugby values right. more so than, than Emirates. But that transferred into their asset, which was the referees. So if you're watching the referees closely, they're all branded Emirates That's on so their shirt. That's so funny, right? Because, <laughs> like, you do watch them. I honestly, that is yeah. amazing, and it's. I, I wonder, and I wonder, is it because they sponsor a lot of things? That is, there, like, is there a sponsorship blindness? You know, with with some of these things, like, is there a risk that you can over sponsor? Yeah, I mean, there is. You know, I, I think. Um... There is, if you don't give yourself a clear point of difference to stand out in that environment, I think you can definitely get yeah. lost, even with a big brand, for sure. Um, so, and, and ideally, you want that to be consistent. And um, so if I were Emirates, I'd just want a little more consistency across what I do, because I think supporting the values of respect and discipline is fantastic and admirable. But, you know, whether it translates externally, I'm not so sure. Um so what they did in terms of activation, a couple of things to pick out. Uh, you could watch all of the matches live on on demand during the flights okay. that Emirates were running, which is kind of a nice little feature. Um, they also had hashtag whistle watch, which was um, a, a Nigel Owens presented piece of content on the sort of Monday after each weekend where he would look back oh. at refereeing decisions across the weekend that's always enjoyable actually yeah yeah it was it's very good nigel owns a superb you know great character yeah great value isn't he yeah yeah and and that was their top moment over the course of the the um was the semi-finals review with nigel owens because whether you remember there were quite a few referee based decisions and length of time to reach decisions and so on yeah was it red was it yellow so he he got into that and that was their top moment. They finished second for reach. Okay. Um, so, you know, a bit, bit stronger. Yeah. Obviously, they're a big global brand. 
uh, and nothing apart from a little bit of technology there was no direct negativity towards the brand that we could see as well it's all good good job emirates so who who's next on we go to you are listening to that's what i call marketing a partnership with the indie list where you will find experienced and vetted marketing talent people like me and also people who design and people who write you get the idea check out the indie you are listening to That's What I Call Marketing. Do you need help growing your business through marketing? Well, check out our services at that's what I call marketing.com. Get in touch today and see how we can help. Uh, Asahi. So Asahi are yeah, the okay. official yeah. of the Rugby World Cup. And um, this is really straightforward in the sense that their pure mission uh, is to help the journey to become a global brand. They are a Japanese-based brand. Um, they're the first Japanese brand to support the World Rugby World Cup. And their clear stated aim is they want to become a global beer brand. Right. And this is part of that. And I, and I love the honesty of that, the straightforward, you know, and it's not a, you can call it badging, but I mean, it's, it's, it's aligning with a property that has global reach to bring your brand along that journey to grow over time. Um, so, you know, good on them. So their exclusive asset was the coin toss, which you see uh, yeah. before each game. And, and that's guaranteed TV coverage that the broadcasters have to go to it beforehand. Um, they, in terms of activation, they s- supported the Rugby World Cup podcast. So that was presented by um, Asahi Beer, again, on a weekly basis through World Rugby's assets and channels. And they also had Asahi Super Try because their product is Asahi Super Dry. Oh, yeah. It's Asahi Super Try, which was uh, a look back at the best tries of the weekend. So some really nice digital stuff. Apart from that, they were obviously on the ground. So Asahi Super Dry was served at all venues and all fan zones across France. So 48 matches right, that's in crazy. nine cities. Yeah. So, you know, it gets the product out there. Yeah. Um, as the official beer, and that's really the advantage of the beer category. I suppose the slight disadvantage, and, and this relates to lots of markets, but France in particular, is the word Asahi doesn't appear uh, anywhere. So if you look at the visuals, you'll see symbols that relate to Asahi, um, but they, the word Asahi is not spelled out because it's uh, it's banned under French legislation. So, you know, you're building that recognition for your brand identity, yeah. just not the word, uh, which they, they do quite well and it's worth a look. And there's the yeah. importance of having distinctive brand assets and knowing what they are. <laughs> right. Yeah, and having confidence in them, isn't it? I mean, Heineken were fantastic at this. To, obviously, the star was is and continues to be simpler, yeah. simpler, a symbol of their brand. But I think Sai did it really well. The best brands in the world can be identified without the word. So, um Brilliant stuff by them. So, so Asahi came third on most activities. So the biggest moment for them was the coin toss at the Rugby World Cup final. Okay, you know. That was the most attention. And the downside for them, a little bit of criticism about beer shortages and long queues oh, right. at, at the events themselves. So there was, you know, again, you will always get that. And you will get people say, oh, the only beer I can buy is Asahi. Uh, you get that at every yeah. sponsored event, um, but there was there did seem to be a few logistical issues at some of the venues, so they would get a little bit of negativity around that. But all all in all, I think good job by Asahi stepping up global brand. So uh, number two, 
Number two is it was the, the surprise of the bunch for me, another French brand uh, that you mentioned in the beginning, which was Capgemini. Um, so Capgemini are a kind of business transformation technology-based French company. They look to transform businesses through the use of technology, basically. They were actually previously a sponsor of World Rugby in, two, in 2007 when there was also a World Cup in France. And back then it was about delivering the kind of website and just, uh, you know the basics, I suppose. But really they upped their game this time around in 2023 where it was more of a digital transformation using data analytics, the cloud and AI. Yeah. It was really interesting to keep an eye on. Um, supporting fans in terms of some nice activation, but also making a more efficient use of data for teams and for coaches and administrators. So they seem to have played quite a valuable role. They talk about shared values of community, passion, team spirit, diversity. You know, I think really, and that's great, but I think, you know, they had a clear role here to come in and offer their services and be a more meaningful yeah. brand in the delivery of the tournament. They're, Activation, their asset was driven around fan data, uh, around performance data. So I think one of the things to pick out, they had the game changers data. So basically after a game or after a weekend, they would have stats on the most successful tackles, the you know pieces of the game that they kind of drive out. And they did a nice top 10. I think their most popular hit was the, was the most successful tacklers, which was Japan during the group stage. And that got lots of positive reaction. Yeah from fans around the world. But I think it's a lovely sweet spot to take data yeah. from a match and transform it into consumable, real-time, enjoyable content yeah. uh, and shareable content, really. And if you can crack that, you're really going to get something special. And Capgemini finished second for engagement, for sentiment, for levels of activity as a brand. I, lo I love the idea of just turning data into really interesting yeah. consumer and content. it's not uh, yeah and not necessarily always easy to do and actually that's really the association i had with them was data mm -hmm. like the, the data sponsor like that's do you know what i mean so they did yeah. a great i think they did a great job kind of yeah. i couldn't have told you beforehand who they were or what they did so on to the the top we're not calling them the, the top winner no that's the winner the top the number one but not the winner yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so very, very clear winner was MasterCard uh, for this one. Um, Long-time servant and, and supporter of rugby. They, a few interesting things to talk about. So, you know, the, the clear role here is to support their ongoing platform of priceless experiences exclusively with MasterCard, which transfers to them being the official card of the tournament, providing opportunities for their customers, for assets in terms of, uh, which we'll, we'll come on to talk to in a minute, but right through to um, how they transformed some of the, the, the normal kind of assets that uh, are delivered to rugby. So to be a bit more specific, um, their main asset was the player of the match or yeah. and also the tournament player of the tournament, if you like. So this is an incredibly valuable asset. So it really shows when you look at the six assets of the different sponsors and you're looking what gets the most visibility, engagement, sentiment, this is right up there, it's, and, and it is. It drove a huge part of their activity. But what I love here is a bit of innovation that Mastercard brought to this. So you'll be familiar with with the typical presentation of player of the match, a shiny trophy yeah. presented, 
and uh, and hand it over. Well, the trophy was quite different for this. It basically had built into it um, the match soundtrack. So it had sounds from the game, the sound of the crowds, the, the commentators, the, the, the sound of the players scoring tries, etc., all loaded onto the trophy and handed to the player before the, the a player of the match wow. piece. I didn't know that. Card. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, actually, if I had any any sort of concern, is that not enough people yeah, knew yeah. about it because it's a wonderful innovation. And they took it a step further for the, for the semifinals and finals. They basically engaged with some musicians around France, some, some youth um, up-and-coming musicians, and they recorded a soundtrack of the match and loaded that onto it. So the, the, uh, Peter Steph Dutois, I hope I've pronounced that right, his trophy, actually, you can view it online, actually had a song recorded that describes what happened in the game. Wow. And, and they uploaded that. So I love this innovation. And maybe they didn't get the global recognition of such innovation, but I think it's a, it's a learning around sponsorship that you do the basics, you do it well, but bring a little bit of a firework, bring some imagination and innovation. And uh, they came out first in everything, all around brilliant activation and uh, very much the dominant brand across this. So good, good, good on Yeah, them. amazing. And it's great look to... Like going through this and looking at it and taking out like the the key learnings like that, you know what I mean? Like doing something, and it's as you you said at the start, and you've you've just proven it that each of them have had a very different reason to be there and do what they did, and how they're going to internally measure it will be probably wildly different, you know. So that's that's great, and it's great to see that that's you know that is the role of sponsorship. It can play yeah. a different role for a brand depending on what you need it to be. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. And it, it is about knowing your space, you knowing first of all why you're there. What you know, have a very yeah. clear picture of that. Get to know the fans and the audience. I mean, this is marketing one hundred and one. You know, um, but I love the idea of just showing up. But you know, for me, sponsorship gives a brand a great opportunity to show up, to be present, and whatever way you show up should absolutely scream your brand. Yeah. It should be what we're all about, whatever that is. And and you're right different levels here but all credible and relevant um i will show i'll, I'll mention one watch out interestingly we're seeing this trend across sponsorship around sustainability and the importance of sustainability of sustainable tournaments sustainable yes. sponsors rights holders etc and it's becoming a it, it is the number one theme we're seeing at the moment and interestingly there is a, a seventh there are many other partners of the rugby world cup but there's one called total energies who are a um an oil and gas company, and they are not one of the six sponsors, but they are a partner and they exist in some guise. And they obviously got quite a lot of um, criticism, particularly from Greenpeace. And, you know, in mentioned within that was the other sponsors. So, you know, it, it shows you that when you partner with, with anyone, you, they need to be credible yeah. and sustainable and, and have a clear charter, a path, because this is an, an area that is going to be interrogated more and more by fans, by organizations, and and there's no getting away from it. And you can't hide behind it. It needs to be top of the agenda. Yeah, great. Watch out. Let's quickly want to touch on some of the Irish. Uh, so they would have been partners of the Irish rugby team, um, obviously Vodafone being, being a key one. Um, yeah. We've got... Um, 
you mentioned Guinness. So yeah, let, let's talk quickly about, about those. Sure. I'll, I'll fly to a few of them. So uh, let me just start with Aviva. Um, again, we, we kept an eye on this stuff. We didn't do our table uh, or anything like that, but we, ha- we had a look at what was going on. Aviva, um, not a huge amount of activity, but really benefited, you know, the, again, the Aviva Stadium sponsorship showing its um, value, I suppose. And what you had was the the pre-World Cup nation series leading up to that and a lot of exposure for Aviva mentions, but not a huge amount beyond that. Canterbury, I will name, you know, they're the official kit sponsor to the IRFU. Main thing to say, you know, about them, obviously there was a, there would have been a big sales period with the new kit for them. So a lot of retail activity. Um, big one for them was they renewed their deal with the IRFU okay. and that was mentioned as well during the World Cup. Um, Bank of Ireland, so a, a big time, brand committed to yeah, Irish levels. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Um, they are also sponsor of the Bank of Ireland Nation Series, which was the games that leaded up to the Rugby World Cup against Italy and England. So they would have had a lot of um, positive sentiment around those games, uh, visibility for their brand. Uh, and, and then starting to touch now towards the brands that perhaps use their association with Irish Rugby to generate... Uh, positivity around what was going on. Um, first one to mention, I'm a fan, uh, is Aldi and Kevin the Carrot. Oh, yeah. Uh, so very visible throughout the um, lead up to the World Cup and, and within it. Um, so Kevin joined the Irish rugby camp and, and tutored by Paul O'Connell and to a degree James Ryan. I loved yeah. it. I thought it was really good. Um, I sent Rita, I sent Rita Kirwan a message when that yeah. guy and my, because my kids were just going to each other. Ready, Kevin? Ready for Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's, it's maybe uniquely Irish in the way they, they present it, yeah. which is smart. And um, I just found it, you know, really entertaining. And it had that whenever it came on, I was quite happy to see yeah. it. Not, you know, uh, we couldn't record any negative sentiment towards it at all. Um, so really positive. And they backed that up. They were selling merchandise yeah. uh, in the stores, Kevin himself and so on. So look, uh, hats off to them. We, we like Kevin's here to stay. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, shout out also particularly to Energia. So Energia um, had their, uh, basically Ireland 24, 2024 possibly, so linking in with their brand positioning around thinking of the possibilities, um, they looked in a really kind of tongue-in-cheek way at what could happen if Ireland won the World yeah, Cup. So, so you had Jemison, Jemison Gibson Park Park, you had the Gary Ringrose roundabout, yeah. and you had Johnny Sexton for president. So I love this. Um, Energy are a supporter of rugby throughout the island. Yeah as well and you know have a legacy there that really allowed them to step up into this space there are an IRFU sponsor as well so well done to them they also just for the marketers amongst us they created the campaign under the guidance of the ad green carbon calculator so they're very proud of that as a sustainable brand huh. and clean energy brand that's important to them so they did that um but it was tongue-in-cheek bang on the brand think of the power of the possibility so another hats off. No, to great work. That's a, yeah, good good team there in energy. Uh, Vodafone, yeah. So we can't um, we can't ignore them. Obviously, fantastic main sponsor of the Irish team, and also um, renewed during the Rugby World yeah. Cup. Our announced renewal of there with a huge commitment over the next few years. So Vodafone, um, 
very much at the heart of of Irish rugby and, and right to kind of step up in during the World Cup. Their TV spot, just to touch on that, um, was a lovely piece with Andy Farrell yeah. and how he instilled kind of that sense of connection and resilience, reliance, I should say, on the players supporting each other, born out of his experience growing up in Wigan. And, you know, that was reflected in the ad, which I thought was really well shot, beautifully done. Um, and reflects back then to Vodafone's own values about connecting connections you can rely on. Yeah. Which, you know, directly to their... Yeah, great. And that moment where they kind of go go into the changing room was just a brilliant, you know, yeah. almost swear Carl Walters knew what he was doing. intentionally. But really well shot yeah. and, and, you know, really well done. And then last, I just wanted to touch on, because it probably gives me... The, probably the nod in terms of where I think uh, was the strongest campaign would be Guinness. Um, Don't Jinx It, I thought was, I thought a really playful, oh, yeah. but kind of passionate call to action, if you like, for the Irish people, uh, with Bod at the top of it, jinxing it as a time. That's what I was going to say, but they bloody jinxed it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I again as a brand person I thought it played really well to their brand um, really positive d d despite the kind of message um, they were the strongest brand in terms of you know some of the metrics we would look at but um, I would say as well what, I, what always impressed me about Guinness is how is some of their reactive comms through social media they produce lovely iconic pieces around stuff that's happened. Um, and as an alcohol brand with growing restrictions, uh, I think they, they've been really smart. Um, but yeah, Guinness just marginally edging it. Very playful, which is probably, you know, I don't know if I have seen that from them as much and it was, yeah, really enjoyable. And it's interesting, like when yeah. you look at and talk about that, you know, it the, with the global partner or sponsors and partners and local, like there's a lot going on. So you have to be, it has to be good to cut through and have people, you know, know that, that you're, that you're supporting the team in whatever way it's the Irish team, or if it's the, the overall tournament, you know, you have to, you have to work hard to, to, to get good work. You do, you do. And you do need to respect the rules. You know, I think mm. danger of becoming obsessed with, or we want to be associated with the Rugby World Cup, you know, that's not your place or your role. Think about your place. You know, you're a supporter of Irish rugby and all of these brands are serious supporters of Irish rugby. So they, they've earned the right to be there, yeah. to play a role. So understand the fans and, you know, and I think they've done a good job on that on this occasion. Brilliant. Dara, listen, thanks a million for taking us through the... Uh... The, the top six of the Rugby World Cup and, and looking at the, the Irish sponsors, it's, um, you know, it's really interesting and fresh in people's mind and lots of learnings. You know, I think as people think about next year and, and planning and, you know, another busy year with the Olympics next year, you know, some kind of great insights there for people to, to take away. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was really enjoyable. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of That's What I Call Marketing. Quick dip into the Rugby World Cup and seeing who the winners um, and not winners were, the top six. And of course, brilliant work done by the Irish sponsors. And um, that is it for this episode. Please do subscribe wherever you are listening. And if you want to follow us on all the various social media channels, you can find us on Twitter. That's underscore marketing, YouTube and 
and Instagram on That's What I Call Marketing. And if you need help to grow your business through marketing, get in touch. That's what I call marketing.com and see how we can help. So until the next episode, thanks for listening or watching. That's what I call marketing. Thanks again to the Indie List for their support of this show. If you need experienced, excellent marketing talent, go to the indielist.ie. Don't go anywhere else. The indielist.ie.